The Lord is so good to us. So, uh, I love this time of year. I, I really like it because uh, one of the things that I like to do is I like to look at sayings, old sayings. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about one of the old sayings that's found in Scripture that was just read to you, Ephesians 1.18. The eyes of your heart. Now, I, I, like, I like a lot of these old sayings. I like the one, knock on wood. You ever do that? You know, you brag about yourself. Man, I've been doing fantastic. Knock on wood. Well, actually, that's, that's ancient. Some over 4,000 years ago, the, the Celtic belief was that spirits lived in the trees and in the woods. And if you were bragging on yourself and you weren't giving credits to the spirits and you were taking credit for yourself, that bad things would happen to you. So when you bragged on yourself or you said something was going great, you knocked on a tree to give that spirit credit. Make you think about knocking on wood again, won't it? Uh, what about the uh, Lord willing in the creek don't rise? Anybody ever heard that one? Lord willing, I always thought it was like a creek, like a river, you know, because a lot of people live across little creeks, and if, if it's a rainy season and the flood season, you can't get across. But really, it was uh, Colonel Benjamin Hawkins. He was uh, part of the Continental uh, Congress, and, and he had been sent a message to say, you know, would you be attending on our, our next meeting? Now, he was over Indian Affairs, and, and they were trying to allocate lands to some of the Indians, and some of the Creek Indians were not pleased with the land that they were being given. So he responded in his letter, Lord willing, and the Creek, as in Creek Indians, don't rise. You won't be using that one either, will you? I'm just batting a thousand. You're going to be messed up. Uh, how about a penny for your thought? You ever think that? You know, hey, a penny for your thought. That's, you know, it's almost insulting. Like, hey, I'll give you a thought for your, uh, penny for your thought because give them a dollar, but for yours, I'll give you a penny. But in reality, that was a, uh, Sir Thomas More in 1522. A penny back then was worth quite a sum. And he, in his writing, he said uh, he would give a penny or a day's wage for the thought. That would help him solve his problems. So, here's my, here's my favorite that I want to look at today. Can't see the forest for the trees. You ever, you ever use that? Can't see the forest for the trees? It's an expression used by someone who is so focused on the details that they can't see the big picture. You ever do that? You ever get so focused on the minutia of the day that you forget about the big picture? Let me give you an example. Maybe Christmas Day, you're so focused on the wrapping and, the, and everything else that you forget about the big picture of Christ and his, and his entrance into this world. See, I think this is a truth that, that we live with in our daily life. We can get so caught up in, in the details of our life and the details of job and details of family that we forget the big picture. We don't step back. One of, one of the things that, that I really find myself doing if occasionally I like to work a, a puzzle. And, and if you sit at one place at the table and work a puzzle, you'll get lost and you'll, and you'll lose your way. Sometimes you have to get up and go sit at a different 
uh, place at the table and you get a different perspective. Sometimes in life we kind of have to do that same thing. We have to kind of take a vacation and get away from life and get away from everything that's going on. And, and after a couple of days, two or three days away from all of the, the problems and the details and the focus that we've had, we get to see a bigger picture and we understand that what we're doing is significant and you can almost chart a course toward the end goal by just getting away and looking at the bigger picture. See, I think, I think Christians have a tendency to kind of lose track of the big picture of the kingdom of Christ. We, we look at the trees of, of life that are right there in front of us, and we can't see sometimes the the big picture. We lose sight of that big picture of eternity and, and we're not alone. In, in Revelation chapter 2, the Spirit is, is speaking to the church and in, in chapter 2 he's speaking to the church in Ephesus on the writing that we just read. And, and, and the Lord said, I know your works and they're good and, and, and you've held true to the, to the word and you've done all of these great things and you don't like evil and you've been focused on everything, but you've missed the big picture. He said, you have forgotten your first love. And Jesus was telling the church in Ephesus, hey, take a step back. Look at the big picture living right and doing right and giving and upholding the word and memorizing the word and attending church, all of those things are great. But the big picture includes the love of God, the love for fellow man, the love for your Lord, and serving out of love. So it's important that as we as Christians that, that we don't allow our, our Christianity the trees of our Christianity to block the forest of reality. And Paul, writing to the, to the church in Ephesus, he reminds them of the forest, the big picture. He starts off the, the book, his letter, with the preeminence of Christ. Sometimes we can fail to look at how Christ is first and foremost in all things. Colossians says he is the image of the invisible God and all things were made by him. That, that Christ is the ruler of the church. He is the head of the church. Paul goes on to talk about the kingdom of heaven and not getting focused. He was telling the church, don't get focused on the kingdom of this world. Don't get so focused on your day, day job that you forget that you're, that you're putting up treasure in the kingdom of heaven. Don't get so bogged down with the things of this life every single day, the things that you're going to work and coming back from work and, and, you're, and you're taking care of family and you're doing all of these things. Don't forget that there is a kingdom of heaven that, that is going to come and that Christ is going to reign and that you're going to rule and reign with him. Don't lose the big picture. This life is temporal. It's here and gone. It will fade as the, as the grass and as the flowers of the field, but the kingdom of God will remain forever. And he said, make sure that you keep that big picture that Christ is preeminent and that the kingdom of heaven is advancing and it's coming and you're part of it. Wow. 
I like that. He said also, remember that God has an overarching plan. God has a plan that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. That Christ came to seek and save all that are lost. And he said, and you were chosen in him. I like that word chosen, don't you? You ever, you ever play baseball or basketball or something out on the playground? You know, and all the people line up and they'll say, I'll choose this one and this one. And I'll take this one and I'll take that one. And it gets down to the end. I don't want, don't, don't raise your hand, but it, you ever remember seeing those guys at the end of the line that nobody wanted on their team? That's not the way God chose us. God didn't look down and say, okay, I guess I'll take them to even it out. God chose you. When that presence of the Lord spoke to your heart and, and started drawing your spirit, that's because God is pulling at you to say, come closer. Let my spirit bless you. Let my, let my sacrifice be a sacrifice for your sins. That's what, that's what he has done. He has chosen us in him. And then he says, he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. I love feeling the presence of God in my life. That's that seal. That's that promise. It's the earnest of our inheritance. You know what an earnest is? Like earnest money? It's like a down payment. It's just a real small token of what you're really going to get. So if somebody came up and gave you $1,000 and said, Here, here's $1,000, and in five years or ten years, you're going to inherit all of this, millions of dollars. You would look at that thousand and you'd say, wow, this is great, but look what's coming. Think about the, the greatest times you've ever experienced God in, in this life. The most you've ever felt Him or encountered God. Those times when you felt like, like heaven was right here. You ever had those encounters where you're praying and you feel like God is right there and He's speaking to your heart and you're hearing His voice and you can do nothing else but worship Him? The greatest that you have ever encountered God in this life is just a drop in the bucket compared to what you're going to experience when you walk through those gates. Wow. It's the earnest of our inheritance. That's why we have to have a new body because He wants to fill us so much with His Spirit and His presence that this body can't take it. We have to get a new model. You're going to have to trade in the Ford for a Lincoln. Wow. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I believe that this passage of Scripture is found in the Word of God as a reminder to all of us that sometimes we just need to step back and look at the big picture. Don't allow life's circumstances to narrow our perspective but we need to look at the eternal perspective. Can I back up a minute? When I was talking about God choosing you, my favorite scripture is Philippians 1.6. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I think somebody needs to hear this for a moment. If God chose you, 
It does not matter what you're experiencing or facing today. He is not going to give up on you. He has you in the palm of his hand. Let God have a perfect work in your life. You will walk out on the other side blessed and strengthened and encouraged and closer to him just by trusting in him. But I do believe that this scripture is here because sometimes we do lose. We get so focused on the things that happen around us that we lose the, the big picture and we, we don't look at life with that in eternal perspective. Sometimes we just need to change seats at the table. We need to, to walk around a little bit. We need to take a, a spiritual vacation away, away from our worries and get alone with God and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move in our lives. It's an amazing thing when you begin to get on your knees and pray and you begin to focus on the Lord. Your problems start getting smaller as He becomes greater in your eyes. And it's important to do that. Paul gives us, in this passage of Scripture, Paul gives us a way to stay focused on that big picture. And it's found right here in, Philippian, in, uh, in Ephesians 1.18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, isn't that a, one of those sayings? The eyes of your heart. Now, we may look at it and say the eyes of our heart. Well, that has to do with emotions because the heart and but it's more than that he said i want that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you do you realize that you're called for a hope the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people the eyes of your heart Heart, cardia, that's where we get cardio and cardiovascular, and it's from the Greek cardia, which is heart. But in, in this statement, it simply means intellect, emotion, and will, determination. It simply means the eyes of your heart refers to everything there is about us our intellect, our, our emotion, our feelings, and our will, our determination. It takes all of our intellect and our emotion and our will to really look at the big picture. Intellect alone will not accomplish it. I know many that uh, try to serve the Lord with intellect alone, but you can't. Serve him with just your intellect. Because there are some things about God and, and the things of God that require faith, that surpass our intellect, that we can't comprehend. Uh, we were singing earlier about, about, I believe in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we sing about it and we look at it. But there's not a person here that truly says, I understand that. We're celebrating that time when Christ became a man, when God, divinity, and humanity intertwined. And we can talk about it, and we can explain it. But can we truly comprehend it? That the creator of the heavens and the earth became one of his 
creation. So there are some times that you just cannot serve God with just your intellect. It's a part of it, but not the whole. Intellect alone will not save you. We ser- when, when we came to Christ, when we came to Christ, we, be- we served Him with everything in us. Paul said it is for with your heart, the cardia, your will, your emotion, your, your, your drive, your intellect, with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's not just a mental ascension, but when you came to that saving faith in Christ, it wasn't that you just comprehended it here, but you felt it right here. Because the Bible says godly sorrow works repentance. It's not just your, your mind, but it's your heart, and it's your will, it's your determination that says, I don't care if anybody else is going to follow God, I am with him and I am with him to the end. He died for my sins and I am going to trust him. It's not just mind. It's not just your emotions and it's not just your will, but it's all three. And when you came to Christ, you served him with your mind. You served him with with your emotions and you served him with your will. And if we lose any three of those, Walking with Christ becomes a challenge. See, we serve Christ. We serve Christ, came to Him with our heart. And we serve Christ with our heart. Paul said, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I have believed And I am convinced, I am persuaded, my will, my mind, and my emotions are made up that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Here he is in in prison and he says, I don't care what I'm facing today. I know, I am persuaded, I am convinced there is nothing that can move me off of the, the place where I'm at, that there is nothing the adversary can throw at me, there's nothing that life can throw at me, there's no circumstance that can be thrown at me that will get me to waver from my conviction that Christ is Lord. Wow. That didn't come with just an understanding of mind, but it came with passion of heart and a will, a determination that says, I'm all in. So we we came to Christ with the heart. We came, we serve him with, with that same heart of mind and intellect, emotion and will. We also are able to see the big picture with that same heart. Scripture says the spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you will live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. He opens our eyes. We, we serve him. We serve him. We came to him with our heart. We believed him. We trust him. And now we serve him with everything in us as well. And he opens our heart and he allows us to see the hope that's in our, that's in our calling, 
with him. He said, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. Can you say, never perish? Never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Paul, again, was simply saying, listen, you have an inheritance, and, and I not only believe it with my mind, but my passion and my will that everything that I have committed to Christ, that he is keeping it in heaven for me, that I'm looking at the big picture. I'm not living for this life. I'm living for the life to come. I'm all in. I'm committed. I'm dedicated. I am convinced. I am fully persuaded that there is nothing that is going to change my mind and my opinion. So devil, do what you're going to do. Neighbors, do what you're going to do. But as for me, I will follow Jesus Christ. Paul is persuaded. I'll be honest with you, if you and I want to really have that, that understanding of the big picture, we have to understand him with our mind through studying the Word of God, but we have to have an emotional encounter with him as well, that we're all in and our will has to be made up, that it doesn't matter what approaches us or what comes at us, we are following Jesus Christ. When we get there, and we have all three, there is nothing that can stop you. There is nothing that, that, can, that can overcome you because we know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded, we are convinced to the uttermost that he is in charge and that we are his children. Wow. We are his children. We are his children. I've been blessed this week because I've had all my children around. I love that. Amen, brother. Uh -huh. You know, and, and as a dad, you, you would do anything for your kids. You know, you love your kids. You want to do anything for them. And my mind just starts thinking, how much more does God do for us than we do for our own children. His love is unsearchable. It's uncomparable. It's unmatched. There's nothing, there's nothing that even comes close. Everything pales in comparison to the love that, that God has for us, that he would call us the children of God. We live and open our eyes of our heart, and it allows us to see the riches of our inheritance. That the trumpet's going to sound one day, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wow. Think about that for a moment. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And Paul goes on to say, And so shall we be ever with the Lord. 
See, there's a hope. There's a richness of inheritance of eternal life. And it's not just eternal life, but it's eternal life with God. And with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not a fabrication. It's not, it's not something that you, we've thought about and, or we considered or that we made up. And you can see it and you can live it and you can experience it to its fullest with your mind and your emotion and your will. And when you allow God to have preeminence in all things and you serve him and your eyes of your heart are opened, that inheritance becomes so real. You begin to, to listen for that trumpet to sound, to be with the Lord. Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians, and so we will be ever with the Lord, so comfort one another with these words. Does the Lord's return bring comfort to you? It does, doesn't it? Wow, the Lord is coming back. See, so what should I do with this? Well, here we are, the last day of 2017. I thought for sure the Lord would already have come back. Uh, I was in Bible college in 1988, and they, some guy had written a book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Was Coming Back in 88. <sighs> well, he missed that one. Just a little bit. Does it, does, does it bring doubt? Absolutely not. I know he's coming back, and whether I'm going to see him in, in the rapture here or from the grave, it doesn't matter to me. I know when the trumpet sounds, I am going to be with him, and I'm going to be with you, the followers of Christ. And it's going to be glorious. Nothing keeps me from that. But here we are, the last day of, of, of 2017. And this is the time where we make these New Year's resolutions. You know where that one came from? I'm going to tell you because I really think you want to know secretly. New Year's resolutions they actually came from the Babylonians. They would annually they would either uh, make resolutions to to be devoted to their king, or they would have a new king and they'd say I'm devoted to you and they would make these resolutions of everything they were going to do to be a good citizen then the the Romans about 46 BC they just started doing the same thing but they were worshiping their their god Janus January so they would they would devote themselves and they would make these promises on how they would improve their lives to serve their God. Christians adopted the same thing, and, and it was actually John Wesley in 1740 that came up with having the midnight service. Thank you, John Wesley. You could have chose after the afternoon. But he, he made, he made uh, that, that service, and, and the Christians have adopted it, and we kind of look at it, and we look at our lives, and we say, how can we draw closer to the Lord? What are some areas of our life that, that we could kind of give to the Lord so we could draw closer to Him? 
I'm going to ask our, our band to come back, if they would. Here's my, my thought for you today. Challenge, if you will. Is there an area of your life, either intellectually, emotionally, or with your will, that you have been kind of holding back from the Lord? I'm going to be honest. If you want to be fully committed, if you want to be fully persuaded, if you want to know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and you're completely convinced, it's going to require your, your intellect, it's going to require your emotional being, and it's also going to require your commitment, your will, your dedication, that you are all in with Him. Because God is very gracious and God is very loving, but there's one thing that God is very selfish on is, is simply He wants every single bit of your heart. He does not want to share your heart with anything or anyone. He wants everything about you because Christ gave everything He was and is for us. And my challenge for you today would be, is there an area of your life, any of those three, that you say, God, I, I want to see you with the eyes of my heart. I don't want to see you just with the knowledge of my mind. I don't want to see you with just the wisdom of, of my intellect. And I don't want to just see you with emotions because if I see you with just my mind, then faith is going to challenge me. If I see you with just my emotions, when something comes along that, that rocks my world, I will stumble and fall. And God, if I just want to serve you with my will, with my commitment, and I have nothing to base that commitment on, I will stray. But is there... Something that you could say, God, I want to know you more. I want to understand you more. I want to be in love with you more. I want to know you. I want to have times of prayer where I not only talk to you, but you're talking to me. That my life is an open book before you. That, that, that I walk in and I encounter the presence of the living God. That your emotions when you hear the story of the, of the cross, that, that tears just well up because you love him so much. As Peter said, having not seen, yet you love. Your intellect, your emotion, what about your will, your determination that you're all in? That you're not, you're not 50%, you're not 60%, you're not 80%, you're not 99%. You're 100% in. You're in with Him. You're putting all of your eggs in the basket that Christ is Lord and Savior. Would you stand with me today? If you don't mind, if we could just close our eyes just for a moment. And what I'd like you to do is just talk to the Lord for a moment. Because here's something that I am fully persuaded on. 
that we're all a work in progress. Each and every one of us. And I know the areas of my life that I am surrendering to the Lord and saying, Lord, here I am because I want to be all in with you. So right now, where you're at, maybe you, you don't, you're not even serving Christ, but you say today, today I am. Today I'm all in. Today I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Scripture says that you must first believe that he is. That he died for your sins, that he has the power to forgive us of any wrongdoing. He has the power to make us right with the living God. If you're here today and you, and you want to have that relationship with the Lord, I want to encourage you. It starts with simply talking to him and saying, God, I need you. I need Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been serving him for many years and, and, you, and you want that, that passion back, that joy, that excitement of serving the Lord that you wake up in the morning and you feel his presence and you just can't wait to, to share the good news with somebody. Talk to him about it. Don't allow this life to steal your joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you determined to serve Him? Have you made up your mind that you're all in? That you're going to trust Him? But Pastor, I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm going to be honest, there's things in my life I don't know how are going to work out either, but I have decided to follow Jesus because I am fully persuaded he means me no harm.